Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our free discovery call. If you're unsure how to start or build a consistent brand, let's talk. Just go to danielleclarkcreative.com to book your free discovery call and see how you can create a brand that helps you win more customers and reach your goals. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Thanks everyone for joining. Hopefully this is the first of many of these let's see let's see how it goes you're all um our guinea pigs today um so thanks so much for being here you're all here because you've either you know me and you supported the podcast and it's just my way of saying thank you and trying to give some more value um and yeah take screenshots share tag us in your posts you all know me danielle clark creative and mike is more gender um and yeah um before we get started I'm just going to explain how it's going to flow so we're going to go through each of the talking points and after each one we'll give um, some time for you to ask us any questions so um, we'll kind of open the floor so if you've got any questions if anything pops in your head immediately just throw it in the chat I'm I'm sure that even if you think, oh, you know, it might be a silly question, everyone else probably wants to know the answer to it. A lot of people will be thinking of the same questions. So um, don't be afraid to ask. And then if you feel like you want to um, unmute yourself and ask, then go ahead and yeah, we'll do our best to, to answer those questions. So um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it, Mike. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So fun. I'm happy to be here. It sounds like all of these people are like your true fans and friends <laughs> as you're welcoming everybody in. So it's nice to be inside of Danielle's inner circle of, of people right now. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the first topic is big branding mistakes. So um, a lot of businesses decide to rebrand, especially um, before um, a recession and I feel like we're kind of in the midst of one now um, which is why we're, we're doing this uh, podcast uh, this masterclass. Um, so one of the biggest rebrand mistakes I've seen was Leeds United. Some of you might be familiar with that uh, football team um, but they're a premiership team here in the UK and they've got a rich history and heritage behind them. Um, and they've been going for about 100 years, which is quite a while. So there's a lot of history and heritage and something that fans really, really care about. Um, and a big part of that history was their logo. Um, and back in January of 2018, they decided to do a rebrand. Um, and they unveiled their new crest to... Um, to the club, um, which was the back off the back of about six months of research, um, and they questioned about ten thousand um, participants, people that they knew. Um, but they featured a load of backlash from their fans. Basically, it was a really risky move, and they completely got rid of the coat of arms. They just let it go. Um, so it really didn't pay off for Leeds United. Um, 
over 77,000 fans started a petition to boycott the rebrand, which caused a complete PR nightmare. So the moral of the story here is if you ever decide to rebrand or, you know, you're in this sector yourself and you're talking to clients that have considered rebranding, it's really, really important to make sure that you're actually aware of what your true fans really want. Um, Don't make any unnecessary changes that your true fans won't like. Uh, So if you're planning a rebrand, make sure you do a proper brand audit first. So I I have a question about this one. This is interesting because you said they did six months of research before. Yeah. yeah. How did the research fail? Like, (laughs) and and some of this will be just speculation between you and me because we don't have all of the information. So let's just talk generically about any rebrand you're going and you're doing research and you're polling people and you're trying to get a sense and you're showing them logos and brand identities and and saying, which one do you think represents correctly, blah, blah, blah. And that's all part of the research. But why did it fail? And then, and then here, if it was this massive fail, instead just posted in here, you can't trust what people say. Yeah. That, that's there's some truth to that, but. What are, what are your thoughts, Danielle? Why does it fail? I think it failed because I don't think they, I don't think they listen to the right people. So I think there's a difference between your audience and who your true fans are. And I think, I think whatever research they did, I don't think they asked the people that really care about Liverpool, <laughs> as Natalie just said. So funny. <laughs> Maybe they asked Liverpool fans. fans. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they did, but I don't think they asked the real, the the right people, Um, the people that really care about about the club that have been, you know, the 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 game and and the football is kind of intrinsic to their family and what they do on a Saturday. And I don't think they were asking them. They asked the wrong people. They didn't ask the true fans. You think? I I that it could be. It could be some of it. I think that there might be some skewed statistics. This is just my speculation, but skewed statistics when people are being asked questions, sometimes they feel like they have to answer in a certain way to pass the quiz. And if you don't do your research right and ask non-leading questions, then you can have massively skewed results of of the research. So I think that that for me, while you were talking, I was thinking maybe that was one of the things. Yeah. Another one I think could be is that sometimes we just don't listen to the actual research results. And this we've seen anybody who's doing client services of any kind, you can show a client all the data in the world that says you should do it this way. And sometimes they just don't listen to the actual data and they want to do it their specific way and so they they discard the data and and follow their own assumption which is wrong so i think that that's a risk as well um any thoughts on that and and we have some people like sid just popped in i don't know it looks like he wants to say something he's up in the corner of my screen (laughs) but maybe we open it up and let some people chime in on some of this stuff it looks like there are a lot of smart people in this call i'm gonna unmute yourself sid 
Hi. Uh, yeah. So just going back to my point, like I'm, I was being a bit sensational. You can't trust what people say. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of comes down to these questions, uh, these focus groups that happen in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, you said, you know, they, they feel they might want to answer the thing the right way. I would also kind of question, this is more, more of a cynical said, you know, what was the agenda behind the agency asking the questions? Because sometimes you can ask questions in a certain way to get the answers that you want right um so yeah all these things kind of have to be taken consi into consideration um was it was it done externally was it done internally um who's got a foot in the game kind of thing like what does someone benefit from it and yeah that that yeah. like there's so many more questions to like kind of take this apart and yeah yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to find out more. I will do some research. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, really I think point. one of my big takeaways on this is you just got to be careful with the research on how the questions are asked, who they are asked to, and, and maybe, and, and always verify things against your own instincts. If you're the brand owner, like the people who care the most about this brand inside the stakeholders, some of those people really understand the brand and really understand the vision of the brand. And that can't come across inside of some of the consumer base. And you have to kind of weigh the research against your own logical assumptions sometimes. But research, it's not the end-all be-all of why we should make certain decisions. It definitely should guide, and it's definitely worth the time. But there's enough, I mean, a couple of the case studies that I want to share, there's enough evidence that some of these things just epically fail in the yeah. end. So what uh, what examples have you got, Mike? Do you want to share one with us? Uh, yeah, thanks I've for got, chipping in, Sid. I've got a couple of... Um, examples can you let me sh share my screen yeah absolutely. let me see yeah you have it disabled i've Just... got all i've got all the power there we go you got all the power it's so good <laughs> okay i got two that i'm going to share um this one was just pretty recent 10 years ago or so it feels i'm 50 everything feels like it was yesterday to me everything in the last like 30 years of life feels like it was last summer so I was surprised that this was 2010, but Gap rebranded. They spent $100 million on this rebrand and they launched their new Gap logo and it was up for six days before they bailed on it because the backlash was so massive. I mean, they got, like you said, the 77,000 fans uh, petitioning against the rebrand for uh your example what was it it was leeds united yeah yeah um this one was they they had immediate backlash 2000 negative comments on twitter 14000 parody designs got posted <laughs> on the make your own gap logo website so i love when people hijack a trend like that it's so it's so good so somebody makes the make your own gap logo website and gets 14,000 posts. And um, I think one of the things that I, I was doing a little extra research on this one, and they had seen some slumping sales, 
but it wasn't dramatic. But I think there was an assumption made that, oh, okay, sales, sales are decreasing a little. What should we do? Oh, let's change our brand, change the logo that's so iconic. Gap in the mall is one of the most iconic. You can see it out of the corner of your eye and you know it's the Gap store, that square with the, the super yeah. condensed font. And it's so, it's so iconic. Um, so this, this, my takeaway on this and probably it relates to yours as well is why are you doing a rebrand in the first place? Mm. And oftentimes we'll find with a client that they have brand fatigue. They're yeah. sick of their own brand. Yeah. So they yeah. want to change their own brand to the detriment of the business. And there may be, have been some of this, and I didn't ask you, but why, why did United change their brand in the first place? Were they just sick of it? Were the fans well, sick of it? it? Sounds like the fans weren't sick of it. <laughs> it was to celebrate. I think there'd been, it was like a hundred years of them being, being active. So it was kind of to celebrate that. But then in, in hindsight, it was it wasn't a celebration so, at all. So if you and I are sitting in the meeting and you want to celebrate a hundred years of this franchise, the 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 solution is to change the classic logo that's been around for a hundred years. Yeah, not, like that not, doesn't even make sense in the, a logical standpoint that that would be the way to celebrate it. Uh, let's change it. And that's the thing, know. like a, a lot of the time I get people coming to me and saying, okay, Danielle, I need a new logo. And I'll say to them, yeah, of course, I, I can do that for you. But yeah, why? Yeah. What's what's the reason that you, you think you need a new logo? And I'll, I'll try and get to the root of the issue, the problem that's going on within their business and try and figure out a better branding solution that's going to solve it going to help to solve it and and the logo is always at the forefront of, of people's minds because a lot of people think that that's what a logo is well obviously we're here to we're here to to educate and make make people see beyond that um but yeah it's just funny to think that these massive organizations like Leeds and like Gap can can make these these big mistakes with all the yeah. knowledge and and you know uh, money that they've got behind them yeah. um ed's asked a question actually in the chat which i'd like to jump to um so Ed said i've never done a rebrand what are the main reasons and why for why you want to rebrand especially when it's a successful brand with heritage like leeds united good i love that question why yeah. should we rebrand mm. You want, I've got thoughts. Do you want me to jump yeah. in? Yeah, I mean, I my have, initial thought, I, I, my initial okay, thought ahead. was, yeah. so you might want to rebrand if you're repositioning. So, for example, like Leeds, we, well, I'll go back to Leeds because it's been around for so long. There's this heritage and this history. If they decided that they wanted, maybe their their clientele was of a particular particular age and generation, and they wanted to appeal more to um, a younger audience, they might decide to rebrand because the uh, existing brand maybe looks too, too traditional, too old school, and they want to appeal to a younger, fresher, uh, more modern 
um, audience. It's, you know, a logo that's going to appeal to that more youthful audience, for example, that might be a reason to rebrand. Yeah, that's a good reason. Um, I think an, I have two that, that pop into head. One is if the data suggests that you should rebrand, that's one like slumping sales, um, new competitor comes into market, you're losing market share to a new competitor. Um, that may be a, a reason to rebrand. And I think one more that I would throw into that is if you're still hobbling along with your startup logo or brand identity in general, you're hobbling along with your startup brand but now your business has taken off and it needs to level up. And a great example of that is Google. Google hobbled along for 15 years with their startup, so ugly, so preschool, Google logo thing, their serif font thing. We all remember what it looked like. And it's it was so, so bad for so, so long. <laughs> it was awful. But so they but they hobbled along with that yeah. until they were a you know tens of billions of dollar valuation company. They might have been surpassed a hundred billion in in market cap by the time they finally rebranded. Now they're, you know, I think they hit a trillion dollars in in market cap at one point, but they've scaled back uh, with some of the stock downturn. Anyway, that's another reason to rebrand. Yeah, get out of mark, get out to market with something for your brand, and then rebrand it to reflect the the company as it is today. Now, Google kept some core elements of their original thing: the multicolored logo using all of your primary colors, but yeah, they, they the leveled it up so much that it's actually a respectable brand identity now. Like it's a case study for brand identity. Their online material style guide is, is crazy in depth. Um, mm -hmm. So kudos to Google, but I think it's an example. We can get out of the gate with a, a startup logo, but at some point it's, it's worth, uh, a rebrand. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did have some more rebrands to talk about. Um, I The other one I was going to talk about, another one in the UK um, was Royal Mail. You probably don't know Royal Mail. I don't know. <laughs> because of where you are. Um, but basically, and I'm going to see if I can find some some imagery because uh what you showed was quite useful but i'll continue talking anyway so royal mail which is basically the post office here in the uk okay um and they tried to rebrand themselves under the name consignia <laughs> yeah consignia yeah consignia um wow. i'm just gonna i'll just find um i'm looking reference. for it while you keep talking Okay, cool. If you find it and you want to share, Mike, you go ahead. Yeah. Um, Danielle, so, can I interrupt? So I totally yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> That's how big that fail was. That I just completely forgot. I just, when you said it, I remembered and laughed. And I was like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, Angie. It's like, it was such an epic fail. They've really done their best to cover it up. What, how long ago was this, Danielle? When was this? 
so this happened in uh, I'm trying to remember um 2023 I think it was That's 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2022 2
and obviously we don't know what went on behind the scenes, but I could see some marketer saying, well, you can never own the word royal because everybody's royal. Every, everybody knows royal from something else and you can't own the word male. Yeah. So male, because everybody knows what the male is, but you can own consignia. <laughs> consignia, that's an ownable name because nobody has it. This is the the logic of marketers. And I could easily envision that kind of a marketing meeting in the pitch to change to consignia to chase the trend of ownable, an ownable word. And that's a fail. That's the that's to me where some of this probably failed in the logic. Because when you have something that's classic, just like Leeds United, something that's classic and nostalgic, and then you bail on it, that's going to be a fail in most cases. Absolutely. So we got to be careful of trend chasing just for the sake of trend chasing. Yeah. Um, Ange just has put something in the chat. Did you want to unmute yourself, Ange, or do you want me to ask it? You can ask it. Now you can okay. talk Okay, cool. So, yeah, um, Hyundai have recently rebranding about telling people how to pronounce it. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. I saw it in an advert and I was just like, I think, he, I think what is it? Hyun, it's supposed to be Hyundai. Oh, I think, no. <laughs> I think that's right. I haven't seen this. Yeah. Has anyone else seen that, that, that Hyundai is saying you got to call it Hyundai? It's not Hyundai. We've been saying it wrong for uh, all of this time. Okay. Well, this screams that the there's some C-level person in the Hyundai organization mad that everybody's pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, like it's done. Yeah. It's done. It's like, like over here we have... Um, uh, a store that was called Wilkinson's and everybody used to call it Wilco's like pop into Wilco's and it caught on so much that they actually just completely they dropped Wilkinson's and they've just called it Wilco yeah good they've listened good to on the people they've <laughs> listened to the true fans yeah yeah I think that that's something that's it's so important like what's the the Marty Newmeyer quote um it's not what you say it is it's what they say it is or whatever uh, branded is what people say about you when you're not in the room no that that's not the one he says your brand is not what you say it is it's what, oh, it's they what people say it is, say it is. Yeah, yeah there's that one yeah that's it and that's there's it. truth in that there's also there's two sides to that coin there's one that we need to intentionally brand we need to intentionally try to convey the message through our brand that we want to convey. But then there's also the truth that your audience gets to determine how they interpret your brand. And in the end, like Hyundai, I'm not going to change. I'm mad now. I've never seen this ad, but I'm mad. I'm going to call it Hyundai forever, even if they come and correct me on the street. Because that's what it is. Worldwide, that's what it is. Yeah. And Hyundai should just embrace that yeah. because well, there's no harm in, in the mispronunciation of Hyundai versus Hyundai. Yeah. There's no harm in that. So embrace the reality of your audience and how they perceive your brand. That's okay. And I love that story that you shared about Wilco's. 
Yeah, well, okay. Like so people we'll call it. Sainsbury's Sainos, but I don't think Sainsbury's are going to change that. Can't see that happening. <laughs> okay, so there's an there's another one, Porsche, and Porsche, right? All the hoity toy. Who here says Porsche? Put put that in the chat. Do you say Porsche or do you yeah. say Porsche? What do you say, Danielle? I say Porsche. Yeah, Porsche. But do you, do you have any snooty people that you know that say Porsche? No offense to any of you on here listening that no drive a Porsche. <laughs> no, but there are people. Um, huh? No, I I say Porsche. I say I say Porsche. I don't too. know anyone that says Porsche. You don't? Okay. Well, there's hoity-toities uh, <laughs> who think that they need to pronounce it Porsche, which I think may be the right way to pronounce it. I don't know. Does anybody know? Which what's the correct way to pronounce Porsche versus Porsche? Mm. But it's th- a bit. I'm pretty sure it's Porsche. It's a bit like Nike and Nike though. Yeah, yeah. Like I okay. say Nike. Put your hands up if you say Nike. Whereas it, apparently it's Nike. People understand both on yeah. that one. Nike, some people get in especially the US, Americans. Yeah. Yeah, in the like US, it. Nike went through. Like most people say Nike. In, in the US, I haven't heard Nike in a couple decades, mm. um, but I do remember it from 80s and 90s before it became such a, an established brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we got some questions in the chat again. Um, Kingsley said, I think sometimes the words that marketers use can sometimes alienate the end customer. It becomes all about what the marketers think the boss wants and not about what the people want yeah just to add to that daniel yeah, I, yeah. I, I was just kind of listening to what you guys were saying it's almost like sometimes with these rebrands you can hear the marketing execs and the the, the, the planners and the you know they're all getting kind of caught up in their own stories yeah. aren't they oh. and actually you know the, the client's got something and then the client's boss has got something and it actually sometimes it can become so far removed from actually the the day-to-day language that everybody's using, um, you know, that it just becomes a bit of a, just becomes a bit of a design fest more than actually a (laughs) real life brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I, every time I see these case studies like this, I start thinking of what that meeting was like. That's why I was talking about it with Consignia and some marketer in there, you know, ramrodding the idea of Consignia into Royal Mail or, or however it played out. I've been in a lot of those meetings and you know who wins? It's the loudest freaking person in the room. It's the marketer that is like the most energetic, enthusiastic, loud-spoken, domineering person tends to win the conversation. And there's so many marketers out there that are that kind of person. We see a lot of them online, you know, in ads and things, and you can just envision what that person's like in a in a marketing meeting, ramrodding their idea home. Now it's great if, if the idea works, but if it doesn't work, you end up with a hundred million dollar fail. Like some of the ones we're talking about here. And sometimes I think the, 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 the most courageous rebrands are the ones that are just about minimal changes and they're kind of, you know, they're evolutions. They're not revolutions. Sometimes it's almost yeah. like there's a budget there. They have to, it has to be a revolution of a brand when actually sometimes you know, the evolution is a better way of doing it. It's about kind of, you know, steps and changes. Yeah. Look at McDonald's. I mean, McDonald's has, they have some some bad case studies in their wake, but 
They also have some good ones. You see that brand and you tw- you've seen it tweak from Ronald McDonald and Grimace and Happy Meals back in the 80s and 90s to not using that today. Everybody knows Ronald McDonald still, but I don't I don't have any recent commercials or ads that have Ronald McDonald in them. They've gone way more sophisticated. It's too creepy now. It is is creepy. You know, the creepiest (laughs) one was Burger King when they had the the Burger King King in the mask. They were trying to be like Jack in the Box with the dunce cap guy. Anyway, that was creepy. But McDonald's, now you you see their ads now, and I, I would envision it to be like a a magazine ad can just be a red glossy page with the McDonald's arches on there. And it's their little tagline below. The new ad that they've just done, they don't mention, I don't think they mention McDonald's at all. It's just the, the golden arches at the end. And it's, yeah. uh, I think the, the, the ad is all about fancy, 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 fancy it at lunch, you know, fancy a, a McDonald's yeah. lunchtime. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if they say McDonald's, but it's yeah. all about, you know, they don't show any burgers. They don't show any Big Macs that they've got to the point where their brand is just so well known that you just need to show, you know, a little symbol, those two little yellow things. So yeah. great. Nike's the same way, you know, Nike can have a black and white ad of somebody running and just the swoosh in the corner and no words on the screen. And we all know what it, what it means. Yeah. Mm. So Ange wanted to make a point. No, Go I was going to say exactly yeah. what, um, pretty much what Kingsley said. Um, the new McDonald's advert, it's got no food in there at all. And it's literally just people's eyebrows going like this. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like making some arches, like oh, that's, that's meant to so be funny. the end. <laughs> I don't so think it's I've interesting seen how that. there's no product at all. It's yeah. just um, them giving you the kind of logo <laughs> for your eyebrows. I love it. All headed out for lunch. <laughs> I love it. So if you think of, think of, you know, McDonald's, are they spending less money than Royal Mail on branding? Probably not. McDonald's is spending a ton of money, but it's incremental brand tweaks over time, micro pivots over time. And for a lot of established brands, that's the way to do it. And you see some of these fails like Gap, when they do a wholesale brand change, when a micro pivot was probably the right way to go for Gap. Yeah, absolutely. And McDonald's, kudos to McDonald's, kudos to Nike for doing that for for four decades now, these micro pivot changes. So good. Nike, man, Nike is, is, I mean, Nike is one of the, if not the greatest brand ever created because they hit it so early, like early in the eighties, their brand established, became synonymous with athletic excellence or um, fitness excellence or fitness ever effort. And, and they did it in the 80s. And, and you look at other brands that have had to make so much bigger dramatic changes since then. Nike's only had to make incremental micro pivots since then because they nailed it so early in their business. Yeah, it's because they've got a strategy. And I think that takes us nicely on to our, our next topic, if that's okay. So. Um, strategies and tactics to ensure that your brand thrives in the recession, which I believe has already started. 
I believe it's already started too. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Honestly, I this is my third my third recession. Okay. And, and this one, this one's gonna be um they'll start talking, saying, Oh, well, the recession started back in August of 2022, and actually we're pulling out of it already. You know, that's the way that this news cycle is gonna go. You have the bears that are out there saying that 2023 is going to be the worst economic downturn since forever. Yeah, I've heard that a bit. I know. That's why I've I've stopped watching the news. So Yeah, good for you. (laughs) Because some of it's scare tactics. And and I believe believe in the power of entrepreneurship and that people will figure out how to generate revenue for their businesses and how to be successful. And as long as the global governments don't hamstring the entrepreneurs, they'll, they'll be fine. The, the, the economy will turn around before we know it. Uh, recession years versus positive economic years are just, there have been 15 recessions. I just did a some content on this, 15 recessions in the last hundred years since the great depression, but that's 85 non-recessions, 85 times that the economy has been booming versus 15 times that it's been a recession. And the average length of these recessions is less than a year. Okay. The longest one was three years and nine months. That was the great depression. Um, But since then it's a year and three months, a year and seven months, Uh, there was a two month recession at the in two, beginning of 2022, or maybe it was 2021. I think it was 2021. 2021. Okay. Um, there was two a two months. month recession. Okay. Nobody even knew, but it <laughs> it logs on Wikipedia as one of the recessions in the last 15. Mm. Um, and nobody even knew. And that, that's the way a lot of these things go. The 2008 recession, I w- was in the throngs of my agency. We had just hit our biggest year ever. And then all of a sudden it sounded like, I mean, the faucet turned off, clients stopped calling, projects got canceled. It was so scary. And I got to the bottom emotionally in March of 2009 and had to lay off some of my team and talk to my financial advisor and said, Hey, I got to, I can't lose any more money. I got to sell out on, on my investment portfolio. And they said, well, I don't think you should do that, but I'll send you the paperwork. So he sent me the paperwork and it was like this stack of all this stuff I had to fill out and sign and everything. And March of 2009, when I emotionally hit bottom, that was the end of the recession. It ended then. And from that month on, we were in a bull market run until COVID. Yeah. So these things will be, it'll be a blip. Um, but but going back to the purpose of this, that was a little recession history for everybody, unrequested. <laughs> um, going back to this, what do we do to survive the recession or to thrive in in a recession? Yeah. What, what points do you have? So the biggest one really is, I think, staying visible. I think it's really easy to go right to start panicking and just stop doing everything to save money. Um, But, you know, visibility is so important, be it on your website, on your social media, whether you've got a blog, a podcast, email marketing, LinkedIn, whatever. Um, 
it's a really powerful especially social media it's a really powerful tool right um and during recessions and, and you know we had it kind of a bit in covid unfortunately more people as as you pointed out mike end up being made redundant getting laid off but at the same time there's more people that are on social media there's more people that are flicking through their emails and watching tv there's there's more opportunity to be visible so i think it's it's really important to kind of maintain that consistency and and be regular and you know stay visible um where you can um it's something that helps helps clients to to continue to trust you as well um your it's all about building trust i think and having continuing that genuine connection between you and your customers and your audience um as you said eventually this recession will be done and dusted if you've disappeared for the whole of that time mm-hmm. you kind of be you'll have been forgotten and that connection won't be as strong whereas when it's over and people are in in a position again to be able to to spend on your products or services or whatever it is that you offer they're already ready to to start that again because you've stayed consistent you've stayed visible and yeah. visible and you've kept that um connection so i just think it's really important as tempting as as it may be because it's often the first thing to go to stay visible don't hide away don't end up being forgotten Mm -hmm. don't put your head in the sand there and say oh it'll come back out when it's over yeah um i think that's great advice it's it's great advice and that's good branding advice, even in non-recession. We're in an era where you have to compete for visibility. And if you just don't even try, you're losing anyway. Um, th- this year, I've been so excited on social media to see some of these people that I've connected with that are getting on camera every single day, sharing reels, being in their Instagram stories. They have 300 followers, you know, 200 of them are from high school and then a hundred of them are cousins and their mom. (laughs) And, but they're on every day sharing um, advice for their target customer. And I just am so proud of those people because they're getting better and I see them get better and better and better. It's so fun. Like, you know, podcasting, you just spent a year podcasting, Yeah. compare podcast number one to podcast number 50. And how, how much better are you from practice? Yeah. Way, but I like, I don't like listening to the early episodes now. Yeah. I, 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 I can't, cringe. I can't watch my old YouTube <laughs> videos. It makes me cringe. It makes me cringe. Yeah. But, but getting, so there's, there's a lesson in that there's a lesson in, okay, get visibility now before the next boom happens so when the boom happens post recession you're in a great position to capitalize on all of the extreme growth that will happen 100%, i think that's good advice so 100% that was just echoing back some of yours the one i'm going to give as a point here how do we uh how do we survive a recession or what's the best way to have our brand thrive in a recession 
got to be careful not to panic rebrand. It's easy for us to say, oh no, the economy's going down. I got I to gotta rebrand. I got to be on the top of my game. And you do a panic rebrand to try and find more customers. It is such a waste of money in a recession time, I think. I think the right thing to do is to make er take all that effort you would have put toward a panic rebrand and put it toward getting your current brand in front of more people. That is a better effort. You got to play the law of averages and say, okay, I'm not going to go dark and try and rebrand for two months. Instead, take your current brand and go spend the next two months scrambling every way you can to get it in front of more people. That's going to have a better impact on your bottom line than yeah, the panic rebrand. But I know me and a lot of us who are creative, visual, designer-minded people, we love to rebrand. Give me any reason, any reason at all, and I'll rebrand. I'm going to redesign my logo this afternoon just for fun. <laughs> That's what we think. Have and then resist. all of a sudden, we're Consignia, <laughs> and we used to be Royal Mail. It's better to get the Royal Mail brand out in front of more people rather than the rebrand. You're going to get more results from that. Yeah. But something that Andrew's just touched on as well in the chat, which again, like we've talked about social media. Some people hate social media and Andrew's mentioned that. Trying to encourage, um, but trying to encourage uh, you disability. What was your question, Andrew? Sorry, not disability. Yeah. It came out wrong. It's okay. visibility. Visibility. Oh, visibility. <laughs> I was like, how <laughs> Okay. How do we it's encourage okay. disability? Oh my god! On a branding call, I've actually it's, done that. It's... So trying to encourage visibility in other ways is that because they're like I remember being really afraid of social media in terms of of of, yeah. of putting my face out. Like I had my DCCs, my low, my profile. I I never went on camera. Um, I would never do voice notes. I was just like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to, hated it. But I knew I had to push myself out of, out of my comfort zone. And now I, I, I don't, I'm not really fussed anymore, but I know it can be difficult when you're not used to doing that to, to have the confidence to put yourself out on social media and, and be visible. Um Sorry, Danielle, could I just jump yeah. in on something? Yeah, there? sure. Just regarding social media, just a perspective shift that I've been playing with for the last few months is, you know, uh, we're all business owners, we're all trying to get promoted, which we're all trying to build awareness. Um, there's always someone telling us, like, do this on social media, do reels, do this is a tactic, this is a tactic. Um, if you just do a simple shift, treat social media like a global 24-hour trade show where you can walk the floor make eye contact, wave at people, say hello, introduce yourself and have a conversation. Like, isn't that so much nicer than kind of talking about traffic or funnels or how to navigate sales? You know, um, how, like, you, yeah, hold on, you and me, we met through Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Danielle um, and I met through Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I've met yeah. a lot of people through Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And it, since, it was as soon as I started being more visible, as soon as I started talking, showing, you know, picking up 
weights or whatever in my stories and you know all that stuff because people then get an insight into who I actually am and not just the, the DCC um we, we and- started chatting about grappling that was it because we both re- like we're really big grappling fans um and yeah that was 2020 <laughs> and here we still are do you know what I mean like yeah um so yeah I mean just great way to highlight a point about social media um make go out help people make friends yeah yeah i think that that's a great that's a great point um it's just be be just be normal be normal like (laughs) don't go on there and try and pretend that you're something that you're not be normal and there there's somebody who i've been connected with on social media for a while he's in nigeria his name is illumide and this year he's been posting every single day a reel and his reel is actually he goes live and shares and it's his 365 days of gratitude that's what he's doing and every day he gets on live and just talks about some of the things he's grateful for in his life and it's so authentic i watched the entire thing and then i messaged him afterwards and said oh man this is great i see you i love to encourage people so i'm like i see you sharing every day good for you man keep going because that's what you you should be doing to help get yourself out there as a brand. But if he was sharing like seven tips for blah, blah, blah in his phase of life, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been authentic because he's, he hasn't built an, a business. It, it would be just seven tips from somebody else that he read. It's not, it doesn't come across as authentic. So what he chose to do was 365 days of gratitude. And it's so on brand and so authentic that I, I love seeing it. So I think you got to just make sure that you're true to who you are and, and be real. That's the thing too. Like, you know, at a trade show, you want to put your best face forward. Like Sid was saying, if you look at it like a trade show, but you also want to be just normal you and just make some friends and um, do it through social media and do it by getting your face out there is such good advice for any brand right now you have to and to go back to Ange, um you know if you don't feel like you want to do it i i I don't want to be blunt and harsh but get over it because the future of your brand has your face attached to it the the trust that you'll build with clients comes from face-to-face interactions you have the ability through social media to be one to many instead of one-on-one relationship building. And um, people need to figure out how they're going to overcome the initial hesitancy to put themselves out there because your brand really, really needs it. That's what you've got to tell your friends, Ange, in the, in the know, nicest possible way. Yeah, because they're so great. They're so brilliant. And I just mm. think you could be getting so much more work if you just... Mm put yourself out there a little bit yeah right yeah I think it's about again it's about having that goal you know what's your goal and how important is it to you like it's got to be important enough for it to I think if you're if you're not uncomfortable it's about getting uncomfortable I think yeah like if you're really really uncomfortable about where you are what how your business is doing you know you will you will do it but I think maybe your friends aren't inco- uncomfortable enough 
for them to actually go, yeah, this is what I'm going to do to take myself yeah. to the next level because yeah. it's probably a little bit, a little bit safe at the minute. It, it can be safe. People get afraid of haters showing up or, or their friend being like, this is stupid. Yeah. You know, well, no, none of your friends are going to do that because if they do, they're not your friend. There's some, some scuzz bucket that isn't a true supporter of you as a friend. And number two on that, I didn't get my first hater until I had like 10,000 followers on <laughs> Instagram. And my ratio is like one out of 10,000 people is going to be a hater yeah. and they are going to show up. So um, they're going to show up and it hurts me because I, I care about people and I'm trying to provide value and stuff. And so if somebody hates on something that I post, um, it's, it's hard for me to brush it off sometimes. Gary Vee is really good at brushing it off. He says, show them so love. Good. You know who the greatest in, in the history of the world at brushing it off? Donald Trump. Donald <laughs> Trump is the great. I'm not kidding. That dude gets so much hate. I don't know how he even he wakes up does, the next he day. He just doesn't care. I know. How does, how does he do it? I don't even know. If I got all of the wrath that he got during his presidency, I would never even get out of bed. I would be like, I'm like, anyway, his, his skin is so thick. Gary yeah. B is great at it too, for sure. But um, um, anyway, just so on the other side of that, B brand skins on Instagram. Um, so they like do like the wraps for your phones and your laptop and stuff. Any kind of hate, oh my God, they double down and attack that person so hard. And they've like, actually built a huge following behind that. And it's really funny because it's like part of their brand persona. Um, they're just really offensive just to like highlight there is another side to this and you can have like a lot of fun with it yeah uh, brand are a really great example check them out we'll have to check that out maybe throw that in the the chat Sid thanks for that um I'm just conscious of time so I think we're probably going to run over those of you that need to jump off at half five um please do so but if you're happy Mike I want to kind of just yeah, carry on yeah. running on for a little bit Awesome. Thank you. Steven says, how can you have the word great and Donald Trump in the same (laughs) sentence? I'm trying to decide if I'm going to read that as a, as a hater comment to my phrasing, or if I'm just going to brush it off. I'm trying to, trying to decide. Simply brush it off. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to decide which way to take that one. (laughs) Oh, Stefan. Right. So (laughs) my, um, my other strategy was, um, look after your people so whether you've got clients customers um whether you're you're employed and it's you know it's mm. about your boss or people that work for you um i think looking after the people that are already in your circle that are already supporting you in some way is really important so um you know as a business owner i think customer retention is a big one it's much much easier to retain an existing customer or client than it is to get a new one um it's really it's just a really important strength that that companies should have especially during a recession you know we talk about loyalty um and having a a loyal customer base and loyal following Uh, the better you look after your existing customers and clients the more likely they are to stick with you through the tough times um <clears throat> I I think about when I see adverts 
for companies that that I currently use, like, um, I don't know, maybe like Netflix or or a phone company or something, and they'll have this deal, they'll have this really cool deal that they're doing, that's like just for new customers, and I'll be like, well, what about me? <laughs> like Mm. i've been with you guys for so long why is this why is this deal only for new customers like Mm. where's where's the my reward as sid has said for being loyal for the last 12 months reward loyalty sid and these new customers that they've not used you they've not been helping to support your business for the last year like and she just said that's like the gym yeah like give me some stuff yeah give me a free month (laughs) Yeah. I've been here for six years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're giving the newbie who just showed up a free month for first free month. Yeah. yeah. And then because then what happens is I start going, right, then I'm gonna have a look at one of your competitors then and see what they're <laughs> maybe they'll hey, give me a better true, deal. Though, just right? just because I'm an, I'm annoyed and, and I think we need to be mindful of that that we've all got customers, clients, people that support us. Um, in some way let's let's continue to show them some love and show our appreciation show that that we value them I think that's really important even more so in a recession you know people remember who looked after them who was there for them during the tougher times right I love it how many times have you changed cell cell phone providers well probably I think I mean, does Orange even exist anymore? Uh, it, it does in in Europe. Um, okay. And I think it's some parts of Asia. Okay. Well, I used to be with Orange, and I, at some uh-huh. point I was with O2. Uh-huh. And then I think I went to Vodafone. Now, Vodafone annoyed me so much that I've never gone back. Yeah. Like, they did not look after me at all. And that's just me and Vodafone are through. <laughs> The, the reason I ask is because of what you were just saying, that loyalty thing. I think mm. the cell phone providers, it's such, I think I can, I know I'm with AT&T right now. And I know that I could go over to Verizon and get a better deal right this second, but I left Verizon to get a better deal with AT&T. Why does AT&T not just give me the better deal ongoing when they offer better deals to their new customers bundle it into the, all the current customers too. And you would have people far less likely to jump from one cell phone provider to the next. I think it's a great industry example of what you're just saying, reward the loyalty of your, your current customers. So as a takeaway for this, everybody listening, how do we do that? You got to be creative and figure out how do I do that with my current customer base and, and remember the importance of that. One thing that I do want to say that relates to this as one of my takeaways is those current customers, those one-on-one relationships, when we go into a recession time and somebody loses their job or changes jobs or whatever, I used to panic. I would think, oh my gosh, my client, my best friend at the client is leaving and they're going to the next company. Now I'm going to lose my client. Almost every single time I kept the existing client and then I got a new client where my new, where my friend went to go and work. And I grew so many clients that way. That's how I started to go from work, doing work for Disney to 
NBC and YouTube that led to Google that and Disney Channel and people changed jobs to new companies and I just kept getting new new clients and it's kind of a positive way to look at the impact of of economic disruption that affects people that you know people they're going to land somewhere and if you have a strong relationship with them it can mean new opportunities for you so don't forget these existing relationships. It's the most important thing in your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look after your people. Um, did you have a, a, a strategy, a tactic you wanted to share? Me? That yeah. was the one. That was oh. one. But okay, I'll give you another one. Speed to market. Speed to market. This has been on my mind a lot lately as we're heading into the new year and I've been strategizing what's my content offering going to be this year and how am I going to leverage platforms I haven't been leveraging in the past and things. And so I've been doing a lot of analysis of my own content sharing okay. and I got to get way faster, way faster, way faster in the delivery, way faster in the speed to posting, way faster in the trend awareness like everybody jumped on chat gpt stuff a couple weeks ago i haven't made any content about chat gpt or anything and i have so many thoughts about it but i i'm slow to market for me in my business right now which is a lot of content creation i'm i'm slow to market i got to be way faster on that and i think every brand needs to do that we're in a world now where speed to market is almost more important than quality to market. And you see this with uh, with some of the Apple releases and stuff. Man, you go back in the early 2000s and things weren't buggy. Apple has bugs like we're freaking Microsoft now. <laughs> um, you know, there's bugs, there's bugs in in the code yeah. now and there's updates all the time how many like once a week i'm getting a okay your your phone just updated again because they're reissuing these well i'm on i'm on the dark updates. side are you on microsoft no well oh, that's the dark that's the dark side <laughs> i've got a samsung tell me it's not true samsung a it's samsung true. phone yeah i've got a samsung phone and oh, a MacBook. Danielle. I know. What? what are you doing? <laughs> He's gonna leave the masterclass now. <laughs> your brand, your brand just took a hit. It just, <laughs> it just took a hit. I'm okay. Uh, you, do you know why? Because I'm being my authentic self. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Ange, Ange had a hand up. Um, it was just um interesting what um Michael, was that, is it Michael? Michael, is it, what do you well, do? Mike's Mike? fine. Michael, Mike's all right. Sorry, right. No, Mike's, yeah, Mike's good. Yeah, um, it's interesting what you're saying like content to markets do it quick enough. I mean, we're all business owners and we've all got to do the work too. Yeah. Is it about delegating to somebody else or do you want to do it yourself? Or, and also, there's two points I've got. So, that was one of them, just like talking about doing the actual get it to market quickly, but yeah. the content quickly we have to work but the other one was um you said about chat gbt if i see any posts about that at the moment i swipe you're gonna, you're, I'm, 
unfollow, kind of unfollow, unfollow. I know <laughs> because it got so inundated. Just, yes. Yeah. So it's great that you wasn't talking about it. Cause if I saw yeah. one of your videos talking about it, I'd be like, Oh, maybe I'll come back to that. But maybe yeah. it might be good to like reframe it that you could talk about it. I don't know. At the end of January, beginning of Feb to say, yeah, everybody bring else it is back. About. Bring it back is the trend. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. Yeah. Just, I think um, maybe it's about doing, doing it differently. You know, yeah. everyone's talking about chat. GTP is it GPT GPT um in the same way you know if you were to talk about it in a different way maybe you know what I do be funny or I don't know I don't watch content of other people that are doing similar type of stuff for me I I I follow them on social media but I I'm you mute I'm them. connected to them but I mute them yeah (laughs) I do I, I all the people I have muted anybody who is is kind of doing the same thing as me. I have muted because I don't want to be influenced by it. I have too much of my own stuff that I want to share. Okay. Um, and and that's it's kind of counter to um the idea of research and understanding your competitors and your competitive positioning and blah blah blah. But I just kind of rely on I'm just gonna do my thing and it's going to be what it is. That's, yeah. that's where I am. I think but that's I, good. Um, and it's good yeah. to be authentic like that. And I think there's times where I've, I followed certain people and, and I've paid attention to how I feel, you know, you get this imposter syndrome, you think, wow, yeah. they're doing this. And yeah. that looks amazing. And like you said, and you know, they're a business owner, but they seem to have so much time to put out all this content and do all this stuff. And Actually, I don't know their personal circumstance. I don't know how yeah. much how much work they've actually got on, how much time they're dedicating to stuff. Um, and I think it's all about just just managing your own expectations and being realistic about what you can do. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about, oh, you've got to post every day and you've got to be visible. And it's good to. But if that's going to impact you actually being able to serve his clients and actually bring in money, which yeah. is in my mind, the most important thing, there's no point posting and dedicating loads of time on social media every single day. If you're neglecting clients and not, not taking care of them and bringing in, bringing in, you know, revenue. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you can dedicate um, a day a week or, you know, you can say like I've, I've said, right, I can manage to post three times a week a minimum on Instagram and LinkedIn. And I've been doing that consistently now in the past. I try to go all in. I'm going to post every single day and on weekends and, and it didn't happen. I got burnt out. I got frustrated and and then I just stopped altogether. So (laughs) I think it's about going right. What can, what can I manage? What's going to work for me and my schedule and my current clients. Um, And then just, just go for it. And yeah, if if you, think, if and you can outsource, if, if you, if you can afford to invest in it, outsource it. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's great advice, Danielle. Thanks. And I think there's something in this, in choosing the right channel based on the available time you have to commit to it. And if you're going to be on Twitter, you got to tweet three times a day that if you're going to be on Twitter, that's your Twitter cadence. If you're going to be on Instagram, at least three times a week is the cadence, but usually should be five to seven times a week. You should be posting on Instagram to be the right cadence for the platform. But if you're going to be on LinkedIn, you probably can do a LinkedIn post twice a week, and you probably could do a LinkedIn article once a week. 
if you're going to choose a blog, blog once per week, write a little newsletter blog once per week. If you're going to do YouTube once per week. So depending on the available amount of time you have to dedicate to a content offering or a content marketing channel for your business, choose the right channel that works with that cadence properly and, and go all in on that. Not everybody has the time. I don't have time for Twitter. I, I'm going to start trying to do Twitter um, in 2023. We'll see how that goes. But I've got this, I've got thousands of people that follow me on Twitter and I don't, I don't ever post anything ever <laughs> there. So I got an audience, a small audience waiting to hear some tweets from me. Um, but I can't bring myself three times a day to, to do Twitter. So I'm just going to schedule mass schedule things in advance to have it happen. But anyway, pick the, pick the channel. That's the right cadence based on your availability, but it should be a channel. I think it's, it's so evident 2023 content marketing is marketing. Now it's the it's, it is marketing and it's free for you to post. You don't even have to boost it. And if you only have a hundred people following you and 10 of them are clients, there's no better touch point than posting for those 10 people alone. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so valuable. It's such a valuable use of your time. It is. And that was going to be one of my kind of final points on, on this topic. What you just said, Mike, investing content marketing, it's, it's so good because it's pretty, it's such a cost effective way to get so many eyes on what you do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you think about back in the day, you know, people doing ads, going in newspapers, God knows how much a radio advert costs these days, you know, going to exhibitions, um, even things like PPC, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into um, these, these methods to market yourself. But with social media, it's either an investment in terms of your time, if you do it yourself, the time that you'll spend producing content and posting it out or it's a small investment if you decide to outsource it so I think it's content marketing is a really good strategy um to to start to use more in in the recession um and I think it's just about providing value for people rather than doing this hard sell that a lot of people do um people always talk about providing value and I think sometimes um when people say that I think people get confused about what value actually is um CJ you, you got your hand up yeah just like posting on social media like for me I feel like it really has to connect back up to um what are your business goals and what are your brand values and then use that to funnel down what you're doing because um you know without it you can't have the conversations with potential clients and collaborators um there has to be a reason behind you doing it. And yeah, absolutely. It back up to the top, right? I know it's really, because that might be the thing that encourages you. If I don't do this, if I, that could be the big driver that encourages you to actually get your face out mm -hmm. versus kind of um, trying to look at other people going, oh, I'm not as good as them. Okay. Yeah. See you. Your, your, your things up here at the top, your, your, your goals and your values. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's just about, again, building trust. Um, value for me is if something makes me smile or makes me think or makes me go, oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, or it's something that I connect with. That's Those are the things that I find valuable. Um, 
and I think if you if you're doing any of those things and you're providing value for people <clears throat> so yeah did you um I'm just conscious we've run over massively now and we had quite a few other things to talk about um and I want to be kind to to your time Mike and, and everyone else that's here so um did you have any kind of closing thoughts on what we talked about? Um, no, I, maybe let's try and summarize a few of the takeaways because mm -hmm. a lot of what our conversation was, was just banter. <laughs> um, but let's just go through and Tom and I used to do this on our podcast, yeah, but cool. Brian, what are, what are some of the takeaways and I'll, and maybe we just alternate for a second, but one of the takeaways that I have is, um, know the real reason why you're rebranding. Don't just rebrand because you're personally tired of your own brand. That's not, brand fatigue is not a reason, a valid reason to rebrand. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it was about, um, the takeaway really was about making sure that you either follow the data or you, if you're doing, getting insights or some sort of audit that you actually pay attention to what your true fans and and true customers actually think of your brand already it's mm, a good one um trend chasing be careful of trend chasing like consignia that's not a valid reason to rebrand is to chase a trend that everybody else is doing at the time the micro pivots like we talked about with nike and mcdonald's lately um, being so effective, uh, that, that is the right way to go about it for most people. Yeah. And another takeaway was to make sure that your, your brand name is something that people feel comfortable and confident saying, um, you don't yeah. want it to be something that they stutter and, and slip over and that, that gives them this sense of unease. So, be mindful of that. I'd throw in that you don't want to have to spell it every time you say it either. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Royal yeah. Mail. We don't have to spell that for anybody. Maybe like one person out of 50, you have to say it's M-A-I-L, not M-A-L-E. M-A-L-E, mm. um, Royal Mail. That's another That's another business. That that's is, interesting. That's, that's a whole <laughs> other different kind of business, the Royal Mail business. <laughs> um, it's not okay anyway. that. <laughs> we won't go there. Um, um, take care of your current customers and don't panic when they change jobs. That's, I don't know if that's branding advice, but that's just good business advice because usually when somebody changes jobs, it can mean great new opportunities yeah. for you, but build those relationships so that you get taken with them to their new opportunity and that you retain the previous client as well absolutely um and then yeah in terms of strategies and tactics um the other takeaway was really about staying visible so not disappearing because mm. of of what's going on you know be be mindful obviously of the 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 tone and and what's going on i think that's important to to pay attention to how people might be feeling around this time, but it doesn't mean that you have to disappear, disappear completely. So make sure you stay visible. Um, and then also to look after, look after your people. 
Yeah. Um, don't panic redesign just because we're into a recession. Rede a redesign probably isn't going to generate as much return as a sales effort or a marketing effort of your current brand will generate. And that goes for all your clients too. You'll see clients coming to you if you provide branding services where they, they want to rebrand because they're in panic mode because everybody's screaming there's going to be a recession. Yeah. Um, and then the final one really for me was just about um, investing in, in content marketing, investing in content, content marketing, whether it's time, you know, being realistic about what time you can invest if it's something that you're doing, it, doing yourself um, or investing financially if, if you're able to. It's, it's low barrier to entry social media um, and people will definitely be on social media a lot more over, over the coming months looking for distractions. So be visible. Yeah, it's good. And when you are visible, be authentic. That's my last one. Like I mentioned, 365 days of gratitude. Anybody can do that. Yeah. And, and it's going to make his life better just by sharing. It'll make him feel better and make him aware of the things he's grateful for. And it'll be great, authentic content for people who watch it. How good is that? It scratches so many itches, but it's authentic. Totally. So that is a wrap. Um, I want to thank every single one of you for being here today. I hope you've got some value out of it. Um, if you, if people want to carry on the conversation with you, Mike, um, I know you're basically everywhere. Um, and obviously you're at michaeljander.com, but where would you yeah. most like people to reach out? Instagram DMs are, are, I reply to all my DMs, um, obsessively <laughs> for three years now. I, anyway, so that's a good one. I'm more Janda on Instagram and feel free to shoot me a DM. And if you were in here and I mean, I, I love connecting with new people, Danielle and I become friends over feels like years, three years now, probably yeah. that, and I just, I love making those kinds of connections with people all over the world. So don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. And you know where you can find me <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be, um, uh, once the recording's edited, we'll be sharing that with you all so you can um, have a recap and hopefully go over any notes you've made again. So um, thanks for your time. Thank you for being a Build Better Brands um, supporter. Don't forget to take some screenshots, share, tell people that you've had a great conversation. And then, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this will be one of many in the future. So thanks. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. It's really good. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tune in into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. You want to know what you've enjoyed about the show? and give you a shout out. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.